Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Today we are going to be talking about the difference between the Galaglass and the Red Shanks. And the, not just the difference, the similarities as well. I will be taking as my source, my primary source, which is not, I have to be careful the way I use those words, primary source is usually a source that was, this is first-hand information. I just mean it's my main source, right? And as that source, I'll be using a book called Elizabeth's Irish Wars by Cyril Falls, and I found that on Google Books. So it's just a just a Google search. It was free. It popped up, and it was, I had all the useful information that I was looking for there. Um, and I think I found that via Wikipedia. So yeah, so it, it wasn't a straight Google search. It just, uh, like I've said earlier, Wikipedia is good for finding sources because many of their articles are well cited. And so I just mentioned that in case any of you would like to follow up and do a little bit more research on that. So, so most of my information is coming from this book by Cyril Falls called Elizabeth's Irish Wars. Now, before I get too far into this, I do want to give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. So go ahead and check them out at usakilts.com where it's kind of like a one-stop shop for all of anything Celtic, Gaelic, Highland, Scottish. They've got, and it's not just Scottish. They have some cool Welsh stuff, which as an Edwards, I think that's cool, and uh, and some Irish stuff. So they're just doing all they can to pr promote the, the Celtic or Scottish cultures. And, and they also have a great YouTube channel that I think you should go check out with a lot of really interesting information, not just as it responds to or corresponds to kilts, as in the name, their name of their company, but also just uh, there's a lot of cool history stuff on there as well. So go check them out. Okay, so the so we're going to compare. So we've got these two groups of soldiers. They're mercenaries, both both the Galaglass and the Redshanks mercenary soldiers that were that had originated in Scotland and were mostly doing their fighting in Ireland. Okay, um, let me talk about where the names come from. The word Galaglass. Now, I just know that I've already done a series of episodes on the Galaglass, so go check those out if you want more detail on that. So this isn't a deep dive into one or the other. It's just you'll see both of these if you're studying about Scottish and Irish history, and so this is just an explanation of what's the difference or similarities between these two that you will see, because there are a lot of similarities. So the the name Galaglass comes from a Gallic term that translates as something to the effect of young foreign war warrior. Now, the foreign aspect in that is that because they're from Scotland coming to fight in Ireland, maybe, um, a lot of people maintain that the foreign element of this is an acknowledgement of their mixed Scandinavian heritage. I have some misgivings about that as we first see the term Galaglass at a time period, you know, in the, in the 1200s, we see that the, this becoming a phenomenon. Now, it might have been just a current word that refers to an older practice because the Viking or Scandinavian settlers in Scotland and Ireland, they assimilated culturally, but there was some awareness of where they originally came from. And during the 1200s, keep in mind that the Battle of Largs, 
was fought in Scotland between the King of Norway and the King of Scotland, and the two kingdoms. Now, at this time, the Hebrides were the territory of Norway, and that the Norwegian king may have been responding to acts of aggression by the Scottish king into areas that had for a couple hundred years, three, four hundred years even, been acknowledged as Norwegian territory. So the involvement of Scandinavian people and warriors and Gales who were maybe of almost all Gallic descent or a very mixed descent, but still were living in territory acknowledged as Norwegian by this time, that was still a thing. So the, the, the element of Galloglass that refers to them being foreign, it may have actually been acknowledging the Scandinavian background of these people. Now, when it comes to red shanks, red shanks seems to be a phenomenon, a term that was used in the later part of the time period of where Galloglass were active. So the Galloglass were active, like I mentioned, in the 1200s, up through after the Battle of Kinsale in the early 1600s. It might have even been like 1603, I want to think. You can go check that out, but it's really early in the 1600s. We don't, after that battle, that's the last battle where I believe that the, the Galloglass are recorded. So there's your time frame for Galloglass, 1200s through the, just the very beginning of the 1600s. And the red shanks were active. We see that becoming a term that's used to describe other types of Scottish mercenaries during the 1500s. So that last century-ish, maybe a little less than a century of the Galaglass time period. Um, the Redshanks name, I gave you the origin of the Galaglass name, the Redshanks, so that's, that's an English term, and it was in reference to these Scots who were coming to fight in Ireland. Now, I'm not sure. The earliest mention of a belted plaid, or what we'd call the Great Kilt, which would be Felamor in Gaelic, that the earliest mention of that I believe is 1594. And so the Red Shanks name could it have been applied to people who were wearing something like a belted plaid, maybe a little earlier than we find record of it? Yes, or it could be referring to the Lenya Croich that was worn earlier. And, and maybe overlapped a little bit with, you know, we see these fashions that they, the one just, there's not a hard wall in between one and the other, but it is an earlier form of dress for Highlanders. And, but either way, both of those garments leave the lower leg bare. And so this, there's some thought that as the, these men who are, have the lower part, the lower half their legs bare are wading through cold streams and coming out the other side with their legs red and they become known as red shanks. So I'm not telling you that that is eternal truth right there, but that's the, the best explanation for that I could come up with, that I could find in, in researching this. Now, um, like I said, I already did an episode or a series of episodes on the Gala Glass. So once again, for more of a deep dive on that, go back to those. Now, the red shanks and the Gala Glass were coming from geographically similar areas, meaning the Western Isles or the Hebrides and the Western Highlands. And so the clans that were 
had their territory in those areas would have been the clans that you will see being Galaglass and Redshanks in Ireland. And now, even though, so that would include a lot of different clans or kindreds, there were certain, there were certain clans that were mentioned more often as being mercenary warriors in Ireland of either type than other clans from the same area, all right? And I'll, I'll go through some of these clans and just briefly mention the, the clans that are specifically mentioned as taking part in this mercenary trade, as well as maybe a brief note if I have, if I was able to find anything specifically in that Cyril Falls book about their activity there, what, what distinguished them. You'll see what I mean here in a second. We're going to start off with McDonald. I did that. And actually, the last episode that I did on the McDonald's of Antrim was what really got me to thinking about this because I was coming into contact with these terms, both Galaglass and Redshanks, and reading about them. I thought, oh, that'd be a cool idea for an episode. So the McDonald's, they were found fighting mostly for the O'Neills in Ulster, specifically the Earls of Tyrone. But they could be found also in forces of the O'Connors in Connacht. So we don't, we don't want to, I'm not trying to give you hard, okay, they were only fighting for these people, but these are where we find them mostly fighting for. The O'Connors of Connacht, but mostly the O'Neills of Ulster, specifically the Earls of Tyrone. But as you see in the last episode, if you remember that, if you listened to that yet, that relationship then with them was back and forth between allies and enemies. Quite frequently, it was, it was quite the it's quite the story. So I recommend you reading up on that a little bit more. Another name that we see regularly in in Ireland as Galaglass forces, and I would say I would even probably now this is just me interjecting my own thoughts here. The McSweeney's probably more as Galaglass than Redshanks, and here's why I think that that doesn't come from documentary evidence, but the McSweeney's were a very powerful kindred in Scotland before the Wars of Independence. They may have taken a side opposing Robert the Bruce, and we all know how that went. Sometimes you survived as a clan after that, and sometimes you didn't. And if you did survive, your prominence was diminished greatly, as in the case of the MacDougals and in the Cummins. They still existed as clans in Scotland after those Wars of Independence, but in a much less, much reduced form than they were before, being vastly powerful before those wars. The McSweeney's, they lose their prominence during that time period. So if I'm putting my pieces together correctly here, the McSweeney's, very powerful in Scotland, um, may have started becoming a force and hiring themselves out to Irish lords before the Wars of Independence, but having taken the wrong side, by wrong, I don't mean morally wrong, I just mean the losing side. In that conflict, siding against Bruce, and that be creating an uncomfortable atmosphere back home in Scotland, we see them coming to Ireland in greater numbers and really being established as an Irish kindred and really not seen nearly so much in Scotland after this time, which means by the time the Red Shanks are becoming a thing, the McSweeney's as a kindred, as a clan, have made that transition back to Ireland. And I say back to Ireland because their origins 
according to their the McSweeney narrative, is that they originally came out of of um, of Ireland. So the McSweeney's were mainly found fighting for the O'Donnells, the O'Donnells of Tyrconnell. Now Tyrconnell is roughly corresponding with the county of Donegal, but I believe it was a little bit bigger than that. But they were the kings of Tyrconnell, and they could also be found in Connacht fighting for the O'Connors. So both the McSweeney's and the McDonalds, the O'Connors, but also the Burks and the O'Briens as well as in Munster, fighting for the Butler Earls of Ormond. So we see them all over. But um, places where you might still see the McSweeney name today, they still are a thing in a, a common, to my understanding, a name that you will find in Donegal. So they really, after the early 1300s, are known more as an Irish clan than a Scottish clan, but that's just because that was a shift in their center of gravity from Scotland to, to Ireland after those wars of independence. Another name that you see uh, being a Galaglass name that you really don't see this name in, I, ha I don't come across this studying about Scottish clans very often, were the McSheehys. So I don't know for sure about them. I, I believe back when I did the earlier Galaglass episodes that if I remember correctly, that they may have been tied to McLeod's, but I encourage you to go back and, and check that and, and do, do your own homework on that one. All I did find for, cer for certain, so I'll try to be, make this clear with you, so I'm not just throwing out guesses all the time. I'll try to be clear about when I'm putting my own pieces together and when I actually read this. But the McSheehys were found mostly fighting in Munster for the Fitzgerald Earls of Desmond. The uh, and yeah, and, and I don't once again, I don't see them very much in Scotland, so I wonder if they had a similar trajectory as the McSweeney's did. You also see the McDowell's in Ulster and Connacht. Now, a note on the McDowell name here there is a kindred of McDowell's in southwest Scotland, down the very southwest corner of Scotland, not in the Highlands. And McDowell comes from MacDougall linguistically. So we have the McDougals that have come down to us in the English pronunciation of that name as McDougal, and we've retained that G sound in there. But then we also have the McDowells. And back in these days, when you pronounce, and if you go on the Outlander series, you have Dougal McKenzie. And something I learned by going more into those the YouTube videos about the Outlander videos, and they're doing how do you pronounce their names in Gaelic, you'll see Dual. So that G is softened and breathed right past it. So in Gaelic, you see this, so you have McDowell. And so you have McDowell could be the McDowells of Southwest Ireland or Scotland, but they also could be what we would commonly recognize as McDougals. And them and the McDougal territory being from the Western Highlands, I would tend to lean that it's talking about the McDougals. And this is just another way of pronouncing McDougal with McDowell or McDowell, and and so these are the, the McDowells in that you see as Galaglass or Red Shanks. I would I would imagine those would be your McDougals from the West Highlands, the distant cousins of the McDonalds. Another name that you'll find doing this are the McCabe's, and I don't know much about McCabe's. I did mention them in the previous episodes on Galaglass, 
and one more kindred that you do see pop up and specifically that Cyril Falls mentioned in his book were the McRory's. Now keep in mind the McRory's are one of the three prominent main Summerlib kindreds, Maxorla kindreds. So you have you have the McRory's, the McDougal's, and the McDonald's. And so the McRory's, so you, we see all three present here in Ireland acting as mercenary warriors, whether they're Red Shanks or Galaglass, we see all three of those kindreds here. And the McRory's also, we see them greatly diminish in Scotland. Um, they were, as far as the Wars of Independence, and that kind of was a shifting point for some of these clans, like I mentioned earlier, there might have been some of that playing out in there, but they their male line ran out, and the heiress married a McDonald, and so now you have the McDonald's of Clan Ranald and the McDonald's of Kepic that come from that, I think. Maybe go back and check the last episode to get that right. For sure the McDonald's of Clan Ranald, though, came from that heiress of the McRory's marrying a McDonald. And anyway... Um, so let me just take a second to pause on this explanation between the Galaglass and Redshanks and mention the, once again, my sponsor, the, the USA Kilts. Um, there, it's not just kilts. If, so and I'm just, there's two aspects of this company. You have the YouTube and the, the kilt business. But don't get tunnel vision on, oh, I can only buy a kilt there. You can go there to usakilts.com and you can buy a... You can get kilts there, but you can get everything associated with that and so much more. That's really just a they're – they're using products, yeah, to support themselves and their families, but but also to promote Scottish and, and more generally Celtic culture. So a lot of products you can see with that, like I'm talking about sweaters and neckties and the, the vests that, that are specifically – because you can't just wear any kilt with a – or any vest with a kilt. Uh, the kilt pins, pieces of jewelry that you can wear independent of kilts. There's things that – so don't get tunnel vision on the kilt thing, although we're talking about the best kilt company in the U.S. So go check that out if you're in the market for anything that has to do with Celtic heritage. But also don't get tunnel vision on just usakilts.com. Go check out their, their, um, their YouTube channel where they're doing a lot to, once again, promote the culture. Now, this time more of an informative way than in a product way, where you'll see them um, talk about, yes, the kilts and the history of the kilts and how to wear kilts and do's and don'ts with kilts and how to size up a kilts. And uh, for me, as a person who is getting into the buying my first kilt, I found it immensely helpful, these videos that they use. But yeah, they go, but they go into Scottish history and and go check them out. It's it's a it's a very it's informative. It's entertaining. I think there's a great dynamic back and forth between Eric and Rocky as they present this information. So so I really recommend that to you. Please go check them out. Also, one one thing I want to add there is that for the products in the USA, it's free shipping. So now back to the okay the Galaglass and and Red Shanks. So I've mentioned. I've mentioned those kindreds about the, those are the primary kindreds I mentioned there, and I, and I think we could really dial in with those kindreds, I, those clans that I just mentioned, as being Galaglass. When it comes to Red Shanks, 
we can add in a few more kindreds. Now, don't start drawing hard lines. And these guys were red shanks and these guys were galaglass. And you know that history is not that clean. It's messy. And so you'll see these kindreds that I'm about to mention to you. I, and I did mention them. I found these names when I was looking up specifically the galaglass. And you can hear me mention them, some of there. But specifically, we have these other kindreds that were that are mentioned as galaglass and also as red shanks. We see Campbells engaged in this, the mercenary trade. And we see McLean's um, from, from the Isle of Mulb, Dewart, McLean's, um, Lochbuy, McLean's. We have McLeod's. We have Mackay's. And when it comes to Mackay's, there's, remember that I was a A-O-D-H. That was a, at some points, it was a very common Gallic name. And so we have the Mackay's of Strathnaver way up in the far north of Scotland. But we also have in the uh, Mackay's of Ugadale, if I remember correctly. There, So they're in the Kintyre area. So they would have answered up to a certain point to the McDonald's, but the separate kindred, okay? To my understanding, that they were not related to the Mackay's of Strathnaver. And in this case, I do not know which one it was more, the Mackay's of Strathnaver or the Mackay's of Ugadel in Kintyre. I think it was Kintyre. Isn't that, in that, I'm in the right ballpark, even if it wasn't exactly Kintyre. But um, because that that second group, the Mackay's of Ugadel, geographically were so close to Ireland, I'd be surprised if, if they were not part of this group. But... The Mackay's of Strathnaver may have been as well, especially as this is a thing that was catching on. And you do see neighbors of the Mackay's, like the McLeods to the west, engaged in this trade. All right. And here's something else that's similar between Galaglass and Redshanks is that both of them, in many cases, were being introduced to Ireland through marriages. You'll have the marriage of, you'll have a, a lady of Scottish birth from one of these major Scottish clans marrying a prominent Irish clan chief and part of her dowry, would it be called? She would bring with her a contingent of warriors. And that was one of the things that a Scottish chief was, that's how one of the ways they would count wealth and how powerful they were. Part of it would be the, the territory that they could control. Part of it would be the number of cattle that they could have, and then also the number of men that they could call into a battlefield. So it was a, an expression of power and wealth that you would include fighting men with your daughter as you married her off to an Irish lord. So that, and so you would see that happen both amongst the Galaglass and Redshanks. Um, the when it comes to Campbells, Macleans, Macleods, Mackays, the author mentions that an English authority figure in Ireland entertain discussions with a Scottish leader who is at feud with the O'Neill Earl of Tyrone and speculates that this was either Maclean of Duart or his agent. So as we've seen, the we've seen with the, the Antrim MacDonalds how Scottish clans could have strong links with clans in Ireland. Here's the other side of that coin with clans on either side of the water being at feud. Alright, so once again it's, it was an English um, agent in Ireland who is entertaining talks with a Scottish leader of some sort to get his men to side against the Irish. Like I don't know whether it was the O'Donnells or O'Neills, but 
And because and the reason he was able to get the Scotsman to side up with him and bring his men to fight with the English is because he was at feud with the it was the O'Neill. Told you I couldn't remember, but it was the O'Neill. So, so we see that that's an interesting thing. And one more thing that 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 paints for me is, or it illustrates to me, is the cultural continuity between Ireland and Scotland. That we would have not only alliances but feuds between them, just like. Scott, Scottish clans would have between each other there. This this Gallic Ireland and Scotland that was there's just so much continuity between them that I've been impressed with that over and over again. I've mentioned it in other episodes as well. Um, if you want more more a deeper dive, like I mentioned before, not just into the concept of Galaglass, but into the kindreds, I do mention that more in those earlier episodes. So go back and check those out. So just to, to maybe bring to the front some of these similarities, both were mercenaries, the Red Shanks and the Galaglass. Both came into the country through marriages and other kinds of alliances. Now, let's talk about how they are armed, because let's, let's get into some, maybe some differences. I've highlighted a lot of similarities. Let's talk about differences. Both would have been armed similarly. All right, you'd have both using claymores. Now, there's some... Let's just talk about claymores for a second. A claymore just means great sword. Now, there's people who will maintain, no, a claymore strictly is a basket-hilted broadsword. And other people are like, no, that was... And I've seen people go back and forth on this, different, not necessarily in an argumentative fashion, just different sources disagreeing with each other. And some people maintain that the big two-handed thing with the forward slope handguards that kind of the iconic claymore I actually use it in the banner for my podcast but they will maintain that that's a clay to love or clay to love I'm not I might be off on my pronunciation a little bit and that the claymore is the basket hilted broadsword I don't know just know that there's that conversation going on and if you want to dive into that and gain your own opinion by studying out real good then I'll open the door for you they would also have seen both red shanks and galaglass using lachaber axes and coats of mail. Now, let's talk about this because it might get into a little bit of different discrepancies here between or differences between galaglass and red shanks. I saw the coats of mail mentioned specifically in Cyril Falls' book as being used by the more well-to-do red shanks. Now, when we get to talking about class here, it seems like Redshanks was not descriptive of class. It's just somebody who's coming from Scotland to fight in Ireland, regardless of where they fell on the social or economic spectrum. Whereas Galaglass, in my in my reading on this, typically are higher end. Of the economic scale can afford the nice armor, the nice weapons. And so even though it's not usually taught this way, there's almost a, a class distinction where if you're a gala glass, you're probably from the higher end of the socioeconomic scale. You're from some sort of power, some sort of powerful family some sort of connection with the upper class because you could have these nice helmets, nice chain mail, nice. And it, and it even mentions that we see these Scottish mercenaries using the chain mail 
after it had gone obsolete in other parts of Europe, but they're still using it. But anyway, there's we see that implication. I, it's, I've only seen it as an implication that of class and, and socioeconomic spectrum with gala glass versus a lack of that distinction with red shanks. And, and another element that comes forward with, I saw specifically the bow and arrow mentioned also, in addition to the claymore, the lockhaber acts as the coats of mail with red shanks, where I have not, I don't know if I've ever seen a bow and arrow mentioned with the gala glass. And so the, uh, that might also be a thing with status. You, you do see um, projectile weapons, spears, javelins, maybe bows and arrows used with the kern attendants of the gala glass, but not with the gala glass themselves where you do see it mentioned with the red shanks. So there's another. Now, here's the big, say the biggest difference between the gala glass and the red shanks for the very end, and here it is. The gala glass would come to Ireland and fight for territory. And in many cases, we see the Galaglass kindreds establish themselves generationally in Ireland. So you have the McDonald's of Antrim and the Glens. You have the McSweeney's in Tyrconnell. You, you see, they become well settled there. That's the biggest difference. The Red Shanks were seasonal mercenaries. They would come from the West Highlands and Isles of Scotland. They would fight during the fighting season, and then it was, and they'd hopefully make some money, and it was back to Scotland with them. That's the biggest difference that I would I could see here. So, if you are a person who's done a deep dive on this and could contribute to this, please do so. Now, I don't mention this very often because I kind of forget about it, but I did establish an email that you can reach me at. If you just want, you don't want to put this on the Facebook page and you, to for everybody to see, you just want to have a more of a one-on-one. -on -one. First of all, I think you can just um, message Scottish Clans on the Facebook page, not the group. If you want to send me an email, though, it's thescottishclans at gmail.com. I know it would be cool if I had this cool website and it's the Scottish Clans or Clint at Scottish Clans or whatever, but... Um, that's what we're using for now until I progress a little bit with this. It's going to be the Scottish clans at gmail.com. Otherwise, if you want to just blow it open to the whole group and share things with whatever or ask questions with anybody, go to the Facebook group, not the page, and post a question or a comment on there. You can also give me some feedback on Podbean or on Apple Podcasts. So I invite you to do that. And go check out USA Kilts either on YouTube or usakilts.com. So thank you for tuning in with me. Hopefully this is was informative and educational for you and it'll create a better context for you to go forward and study your your personal angle on the Scottish clans from here. So that's another thing I hope to do with this episode is not just come here and get information but use it as a platform for you if you'd like and if you've got the time to spend on this to push forward and do some of your own study, come back to the community and share, share with us what you're learning. And until next time, Marshen Leben Drasta.